So Psalms 133, we, we read it Wednesday night. And, you know, I just, I listened to a sermon by Bill Johnson, I think, Monday, and just listened to various things this week that really touched my heart. And, uh, you know, it's real easy to, to get so focused on what you're doing that you forget why you're doing it. You know, you forget why you're doing it. And, and, and you know, I'm seeing this a lot lately. I mean, from, from, from churches, from even the gun community, you know, the guys that, that, that I was in the Marine Corps with and gun instructors, everybody now, they're really big on the why. You know, we've been about the what so long that now everybody's asking, well, why do we do this? Uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this the other night, Callie was in a one-act play where uh, in this play there was this little town and every year they had a lottery. And one person wins the lottery, but here's the bad thing. If you win the lottery, the rest of the town stones you to death. But the whole, the whole premise of this little one-act play was this, is why do we do this? And everybody's answer was, well, because we've always done this. Nobody knew why it started. Nobody knew, you know, why the heck they did this. But every year, this little town did a lottery. And if you won, you got stoned to death by everybody else. You know? I'm like, good grief. And, I, and, and listen, though, I think about the damnation of churches and civilizations and relationships that, that, are, that just, are just devastated because they never stop to say, why the heck are we doing what we're doing? You know? Well, you know, Grandpa said this or Grandma said this or, you know, you know if, you, if you just, you know, hey, we're, we're to glean wisdom from the, from the older generation, but we somewhere need to say, why do we do this? You know, and in churches, man, there are so many people, they, they go for various reasons, but the ultimate reason we should come to church is so that we can get to know God, amen? And that so that we can encounter Him and become the people that God has called us to be. And you know what? It's, you know, usually when, when God puts a revelation on my heart, He doesn't just say, look, I want you to know this, and, and then say, okay, now I want you to see how it's working in everybody else's life. The first person he usually wants to address is me. That stinks. Don't you just love that? Uh, you know, I mean, but, but the reality of it is, is God wants me to change, right? God wants you to change. God wants us to know why we're doing what we're doing. And, uh, but Psalms 133, I read this to you Wednesday night. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How many of you know that it is good to have unity. How many of you have been on a team before and there was disunity and there was division or maybe you've been in a church split up or you know maybe you've been on a strike. I mean, there's nothing pleasant about it. There's nothing joyous about it. It is depressing, it is aggravating, it is frustrating and and it just seems like there's nothing but striving, but but David says how good it is and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. You know, the, the, here's, the, here's one of the keys of the Christian life. It is not creating strife and not being a part of strife. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has not commanded you to automatically be a part of all the strife that you're involved in in your life. Some of the strife in your life just simply needs to be let known. You will not strive in my life anymore. I mean, some of the relationships. You know, Paul says, make peace where possible, but you can't always make peace where it's possible. But as long as it's not on you or the peace is not possible, then you're good to go. But if you're the, the person that is disturbing the peace, then you need to say, hey, God, what do I need to do to make peace? But in those situations where there's no peace, then you just you don't have to stay in the midst of that situation always. Sometimes you can just simply walk away from it and say, I'm going to go over here where it's 
peaceful. Why? Because God has called us to peace. So we just need to read the Word to say, what does the Word say about it? You know, there's so many of us doing things that we're, we're, we're wearing the what would Jesus do bracelets, but we really don't know. We're, we're doing what would stupid do. And saying, this is what Jesus would do. No, this is what stupid would do, not Jesus. We need to find out what would Jesus do in these situations, in these relationships, in these things, you know, that, 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 that cause grief and stress in our life. But how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How pleasant it is when you've been with crazy kids all week for them to go to their grandparents or something, and, and you sit on the couch quietly and look at your spouse and go, oh, this is nice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, that, if anything ain't relevant to you, some of you that got kids, that's pretty dang relevant. You know, like just that, wow, this is peaceful. It is like the precious oil on the head, okay? So when they would anoint people, what they do? They, man, they, they didn't do like, well, actually, we need to get like a big old horn full of oil. We just need to douse people. We need, we need to go get that oil tub from Walmart. Okay, we're going to anoint you right now. You know, put a little... A little oil pit up here or something. You know, like where they change oils in the car. But, you know, when they anointed somebody to be a king or a priest or, or for ministry, man, they would just, just, they had a horn full of oil and they would just douse it on them. And so imagine this. It says, it is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron. Who was Aaron? He was the high priest, right? He was the one authorized to make sacrifices unto Jehovah God. Now, how many of you know that, that Peter, and all through the New Testament, it says that what are we now? We are the priesthood of the believers. We are priests that are authorized to do what? Make sacrifices unto God. We come in here and we worship. We are offering sacrifices to God. Notice the word sacrifice. If, if, it, ain't call, if it don't cost you anything, it's not a sacrifice. We, we need to become sacrificial people unto God. Say, Lord, you know, it was, it was awesome to see when, when, when it says, I bow my knee about... Several people up in the front just, boom, dropped on their knees and say, I'm going to do what the dang song says for once, and, and I'm going to bow on my knee and bless the Lord this morning. So it's like unity, pleasant unity, good unity, when brothers dwell together, is like the oil that anoints Aaron. It's the power. It's the presence. It's the blessing. That's what the, this unity is like. And it says running down the collar of his robe. It, it doesn't just saturate his head, but it runs down his beard. And it runs down his collar. And it runs down his robe. And, and I'm sure there's some guy on his toenails. You know, that's, that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to affect us wholly. Not just partially. He wants to anoint all of us. It says uh, it's, like, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And mountain of Zion is like the... The central hub of worship. That's God talks about Zion. And he talks about the, the tabernacle of David, which he wants to rebuild in his church. You know, this worship, this, this encounter with the presence. And it says, for the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore. But he says, for there. So where has the Lord commanded the blessing and life forevermore? Here's the deal. Who commanded it? The Lord. So we see a condition here that the Lord stands up and says, that is blessed. I will put my approval on that. I will put my thumb on that. I will anoint that like Aaron was anointed with the power and the presence and the blessing to do what he did in relation to me. And it says this, it says that when brothers dwell in unity, God has commanded his blessing in the midst of it. Amen? 
God commands. He doesn't just say, hey, there's an opportunity for blessing in the midst of unity. He says, where you dwell in unity, I will anoint you with my presence. I will anoint you with my blessing. Amen? How many of you want that? I mean, truthfully. But what we've got, what we've got to understand is this, is that we can come in here and we can, we can demonstrate every form of praise. We can shout. We can clap, we can dance, we can bow. You know, we can do all those things and still not have unity. Because if you notice, when unity happens, everybody becomes of one accord. Everything becomes uh, harmonious. Everything becomes not about what I think or what you think, but what does the Holy Spirit think in the midst of His unified people right now? And, we, and, and Wednesday night was a great demonstration of that. We set ourselves up for success because we took time to minister to each other and prepare to be unified. This morning we wanted to take time, but we started, let's get unified this morning. Let's be about each other. Let's become selfless. Let's become sacrificial. And let's experience what God can do in our lives because God wants to do something, not just sometime, but he always wants to do something in our lives. He has already pre-commanded the blessing to be in the midst of the unity of his worshiping people. And so the thing is, is we can't just come in here Doing all the external, we have to make sure that the internal is good as well because it works together. You know, Isaiah 29, 13 says, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. We're to come in here out of our love and our thankfulness and our adoration of God, but we do have to take account of the people sitting beside us as well in the midst of our worship. You know, God said, Jesus said this, he says, or the Bible says that if we say that we, that we love God but we hate our brother, that what? We're a liar and the truth is not in us. Those are pretty strong words. How can you say you love God but you don't love your brother? So how can we come in here and lovingly worship God if we don't love our brother? You can't. It's an oxymoron. You can't expect, you can't expect and, and here's the deal, if we don't love our brother and we're crossed up with our brother, there is no unity. There is no peace. There is no anointing. There is no presence. And so God calls us to accountability when we walk into this corporate worship, which I believe is the intent of God in the first place. The church is his mystery, mysterious plan exposed through Jesus Christ in Ephesians, it says. But God wanted us to come together and say, Our Father who art in heaven, not my Father who art in heaven. You know, those, those people that practice that daily and, 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 you know, daily with my Father, but... God wants to expose himself to us individually. Yes, he does. But he wants to manifest himself through us corporately, through each other and with each other and build us up. Who's being built up into a tabernacle? Us. Us together. All of us. Stone upon stone. Jesus being the precious cornerstone. We are being built upon that. And God is working through us for that. But unity is so important as it pertains to worship. Our fellowship as it pertains to worship. We live in a day right now, I'm noticing, where everybody has a barbecue pit, and everybody has a fish fryer, and everybody has a back deck, but there ain't no fishing being fried. There's no barbecue being cooked. Nobody's hanging out anymore. Because we're so occupied with things that don't matter. We're too busy. We're too busy to fellowship. And, and so many people recently, I would assume, man, these people are socialized. They have lots of friends, and they're always out, and they're always doing things, only to realize that they don't do nothing. It's just them and their one or two or 20 kids, and that's just all their life is about. 
You see what I'm saying? And, and this is something that God is just revealing to me, is that we have to value fellowship more than what we do. And, and we, we live in a time of busyness, and, and, and listen, I, listen, I went to church four times on Sundays as a kid. I don't want to have it to where, you know, you're going to church every five minutes because life is going on. you got to work and do all these things. But you know what? We're going to have to suck it up, and we're going to have to plan, and we're going to have to gather at certain times for the simple as it may be, but the most powerful aspect of fellowship that is to be had in the fellowship of the believers. Amen? It's a sacrifice. And I'll show you in a minute that even being together is a sacrifice. You know, it's a, it's a value of ours, this family that we have. It's, it's a calling that we have from God. It is, it is a part of our mission. We're to be a church that walks in grace. We glorify God, and we also relate with one another. And in that relating, we build what? We build unity. But if we don't come together, then unity is going to be scarce. If we don't come together, we're not going to have the support that God intended for each and one of us to have. Because we need a place that when we do fall, we know somebody's still going to love us anyway. We need a place that when we're doing well, we got people praising and saying, hey, you can do this, you're doing well, amen? We need the encouragement. We need all these things, whether you think you need them or not. Man, I'm coming to realize I'm a needy son of a gun. You know? I always thought I was just an individual. I thought I was Josie Wells. You know, I was the mountain man. And, and I'm like, dude, I'd be, a, I'd be a weak, crazy son of a gun if I was by myself without all the interference of people that God has put in my life. Matthew 9, 13. But anyway, oh, unity. And, and I looked up the definition of unity. And it, this actually pertains in literature and art. But it says, a relation of all parts or elements of a work consulting in a harmonious whole, producing a single general effect. And our unity should produce the presence and the power and the anointing of God. Amen? Just like it says here in Psalms 133. Matthew 9.13, Jesus is once again arguing with the Pharisees, right? They thinking that they have anything, any kind of knowledge to argue with Jesus. But here's the deal. How many times do we argue with Jesus? You know, we think we're so much different than the Pharisees. But in our actions and in our minds and in our lives, we argue with the word, which is Jesus, all the time. And we need to simply just shut our mouths and say, Jesus, what do you say? What, what, what do you want me to do? Instead of justifying our actions, instead of making excuses, and, we, and, and, you know, and don't even make, make it about striving to do good or be good, but just submit ourselves to the Word and say, okay, Lord, I submit. Now that dog, I'm, it's funny watching Dad try to raise this Labrador Retriever. You need to take that dog to the trainer, Dad. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but he's got this dog, and that dog, man, they got him to sit. He'll, she'll sit, but she's so young and just... You know, she's just 100 miles an hour. She eats everything. She, she took Nathan down yesterday, almost took Callie down. She's just crazy, you know. And, uh, and Dad's trying to get her to just simply submit, you know, just relax. She, you know what? Submitting really isn't that hard. It's just simply just stop doing what you're doing. Stop tearing the place up. Chill out for a moment. Get a, get a bearing of where you're at. Think about what you're doing, what you ought to be doing. But Matthew 9, 13, Jesus says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And he says, look, he says, you're doing all the stuff, but I want something even deeper than that. Now, is Jesus saying that we're not to sacrifice? No, what he's saying is, behind the sacrifices that we offer, 
I desire mercy. I desire love. Uh, mercy, uh, said from the Septuagint, you know, the Greek uh, interpretation of, of the Hebrew, but they rendered the word from, from Hased, which is steadfast love. And this word, it, it means faithfulness, it means love, it means kindness, and it means loyalty, like all rolled into one. That's what he's saying here. So not just mercy, you know, just like, okay, well, you're, you know, we're going to give mercy on you, but it's, it's love, it's faithfulness, it's loyalty, it's kindness, all in one. He says, I desire these things. So what he's saying here is, I desire kindness, I desire love, I desire, I mean, I, mean, I desire uh, uh, loyalty, and, and I desire faithfulness. That's what he's saying here. More than just sacrifices. In other words, I want, I want the things that are happening externally be a result of what's going on internally. You can fake worship, but it ain't going to do you any good. Sometimes we come in here and we, instead of addressing, you know, worship is a time for the Holy Spirit to deal with us. It's, it's, it's whatever, it's, it's, it's a, we're hanging out with Daddy. What does Daddy say right now? You know, and we need to be ready and willing and, and open to whatever he wants to address us in worship. But you can't, you can't not deal with the issues of the heart and expect great results from just what's going on externally in your lives. But here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Love is the context from which we must sacrifice from. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you forget everything I say today, know this. Love is the context from which we must sacrifice from. When we come in here to worship, we must learn to worship out of love. When we come in here and relate with one another and worship together unto God, we must do it from the context of love. This should be the context of love right here. That should be the context from which we come together. And when the content comes from it, the loving, the serving, the worship, the praise, the, the, the prophetic, the gifts, all these things, you know, because Paul says, hey, I can prophesy, I can do all these things, but if, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, Paul says, if I don't have love. If we don't come in here out of love, we don't have nothing. And we need to make sure we don't get so wrapped around the external that we forget about the internal. Like I say, what good does it do to have fish fryers? And what good does it do for us to have pavilions? And what good does it do for us to... It's funny, we keep spending money on all these entertaining things, but we don't... We never use them. We never, we never practice hospitality. We never, you know, we never really just say, hey, I'm going to... You know, and, 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 and you know, you're, like, like Robert Moore says, your checkbook tells what you value... So does your calendar. Your calendar tells you what you value. Go back and take a credit of where you've spent your time, and it'll tell you this is what you value. And you know what? It isn't necessarily evil things that have to take up your time, but, but things that aren't the most important can devastate all your time in your life where you don't have time to sit down and be with your family, be with your friends, and be with the people of God. Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. How many, time, how many scriptures do I got to read to you to tell you that it don't matter what you do, how, how much you do, how often you do, but if it ain't coming from the context of love, it's worthless. It's pointless. It is not unifying. It is not blessed. It is not anointing. It is not commanded by God to say, bam, I'm going to be right there in the midst of it. 
You see, we, we want to put ourselves in a position where God has no choice to be involved in our life. Not because of our power, but because of His steadfastness. Because He is steadfast and He is faithful. He is God. He, he's not the flaky one here. We're the flaky ones. But here's the deal. Does it count that we express our faith? In this context of love. You see it's important that the content. In other words. I mean the context. In other words the, the environment. That we function in. Has to be love. But is it also important that there's some content in there. There's expression. There's ministry. There's love. There's. I mean there's, there's, there's doing. Okay. You see the invisible content. Has to be measurable. You know, we can't, we, can't just, we can't just dwell on theory. We can't look at this like theory that we just dwell on and hope that it works. It is to be walked in. It is to be practiced. And what we have to come to realize that there's dead works that the Bible says that we're to repent of in Hebrews chapter 6. We're to repent from dead works. Me just doing external stuff, trying to get brownie points to get into heaven. And we need to look at the good works which Christ Jesus, or God created us in Christ Jesus to do. Amen? We're new creations. Good works are the results of what's on the inside. Amen? They're, they're, not, they're not something that's produced. They are something that are produced as a result of what God has done in our life. And we need to allow God to work in our life and produce the fruit. But it's, it's, it needs to be measurable. So in this context of love, there needs to be a content of faith being worked out through love. Right? Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, yeah, Hebrews 13, 15 through 16 says this. Through him, okay, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. What have we done for the last, you know, 30 minutes or whatever? We have praised God with the fruit of our lips, you know, declaring his name and his goodness and his thankfulness. And he goes on. Do not neglect to do good, okay? Paul, Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. Why did he say that? Because it gets wearisome doing good. You know, when you do good, you know, but doing good doesn't always have an immediate return. You know, there was a lady the other day that was walking down the road going to the creek, and I, and I drove by her, and I, I began to think about how many people do we pass up every day that, just can simply just use a simple ride. How many people die of heat exhaustion every day because people pass them by and don't let them sit in the car five seconds air conditioner? And I remember of a story. I remember of a story. My dad, he was with a bunch of other preachers at a preacher deal, and they were all going, and dad was the last one, and every one of those guys passed a, 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 a hijacker, or, a, or a, not a hijacker, a hijacker, <laughs> hitchhiker. <laughs> yeah, don't pick up a hijacker. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so every one of these guys, every one of these guys passed this guy up, like thoughtlessly, with just no conviction or whatever, because they're all going to eat, right? That's what preachers love to do. They love to eat, get fat, eat fried chicken and all that good stuff. So, so, so they're all going there, and Dad's the last one, and Dad goes by, and the Holy Spirit's like, really? I need at least one guy out of this group to act like they like Jesus. So Dad actually stops, picks the guy up, Takes him and gets him lunch. Takes care of him. 
And he's like pretty late to this gathering of preachers. But anyway, I just, I just remembered his story about that. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, dang, I'm going to be like these other, you know, booger eaters. Yeah. <laughs> you see how silly that is? Because we're so worried about the external that we, we totally mess up the context and what we ought to be doing. We get so distracted. I'm going to buy a barbecue pit, but I ain't never going to use it. Never going to invite anybody at the house. Never going to cook food in it for anybody. You know, it's just, it's just it's the funniness that we find ourselves living in. So anyway, I just picked the, I just, I just, I just turned around. I picked her up. She was only going a couple of miles. She just wanted to go to the creek and cool off, you know. And I, she had, a, she had a, a leg issue. She was, you know, you know, not walking very well. And I said, you know, if we just did the little things every day from love, how much better would life be? We're too busy defending and justifying and all these things. And, and my God, I'm, I'm, so, oh, I'm so tired of thinking I'm right, only to find out that really what the heck was I throwing a fit about in the first place. Christy got paint on my car yesterday. But man, I got so mad about it. And you know, when we got home in 20 minutes, I had, the, I had mineral spirits. I had the paint out of the seat. I'd done been to the car wash. And I sprayed the paint out of the back of the car. Dexter got to participate in that. He got to walk up. You know, when I was, of course, he aggravated me a little bit about it. Oh, it don't matter. You know, just put it all over the place. Huh? What did you tell me? You tell me a lot of things. No, I probably don't want to hear that. You know, and I told Dad about it. And uh, what did you say? That only made me madder. <laughs> no. No. Well, I mean, but we, but, but we, we talked about it, you know, and and then and and once again, I found myself going, that was really pointless. I mean, getting as aggravated as I did, you know, and I just I wanted her to see what she had done, you know. <laughs> That's all it was about. I don't think she enjoyed getting paint on my car. Callie did too. You did too. You know, they had paint in both seats, and, and I mean, they were they were this big, and there was like paint all over the back of my truck. You know, like this big, and so anyway, so I, I was I was just telling Chris and I, but I, but I begin to see where I'm just you know I've, I'm allowing frustrations in my life to come in and set me up to just be mad. And I, last night I said, God, I don't want to be mad. I don't want to ruin service tomorrow. And I don't, I don't want you to kill me in the pulpit, you know. I said, but most importantly, I want to be able to get up there and just be honest and be open and be Chad, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and so it's okay, you know. The, the, you know, we're going to screw up. But the, mess, the best thing we can do is, is realize it and deal with it, you know. Realize it and deal with it. And I did tell Christy last night, I said, you know I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness again one day, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wanted that comfort that, you know, next time I do something stupid, you're going to forgive me then too, right? You know, not intending to be, not intending to, you know, to do this again. But, you know, that, that's, li- that's the life that we live in. And, uh, and, and, what, and my point was is that, you know, 
the deeper I've gotten off into this about what God is saying about how this affects our worship, the more he was showing me I had some issues this week. You know? And I'm like, dang. I want to quit reading the Bible. Because God keeps showing me stuff in my own dang life every time I read it. How many of you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, y'all, to, so to, 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 to even me out, I want everybody to tell something dirty about yourself on Facebook this week, right? Since y'all know my business. Now everybody's like, oh, Lord. Dad's like, I ain't posting nothing. But, but he says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. He says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Such. So no, don't, just, don't just praise God and be an be a outward expressive worshiper, but be a person that on the inside is tender to what God wants us to do as well. Don't for, don't, this isn't a show. This isn't worship tainment. This is interaction with God. This is interaction with his people. And, and you can't really have one without the other because if we say we love God and we don't love our brother, then we're liars. And the truth is not in us. It's the whole schmo. You know, people, you know, this, this stuff that people that say we don't need church don't like to hear because the church is very important. If God created the church and if God planned the church, I'd be a dang fool to say that we don't need the church. I'd be ignorant to express that I'm not a part of the church. I mean, it's the church. The church, the church is the context in which we learn to love. That means that that even the, even the bad things that happen, when we get crossed up with our brothers and sisters, is a learning experience to teach us how to love. It's to humble us. Just like I had to humble myself yesterday. I said, I'm just being a, a jerk. You know, being angry for nothing. And I got to looking at all the things that, that had me all stressed out. And I'm like, none of those even matter either. And, and so it's about, it's about staying in the light of love and staying focused in the light of love and, and allowing the God to speak into our lives. But sacrifice, uh, sacrifice is cost or it is not a sacrifice. And also, here's the deal. The context has to be love, but for a sacrifice to have any value, the word is telling us that it has to have compassion to give it value. You know, if I had just some crap in my garage, some trash, and I gave it to you, it's because I don't want it. It's because I don't care about it. And I don't really care who comes and gets it. I just want it out of my yard. Boy, I'll, I love laying stuff that I don't want out there by that dumpster and seeing it gone. How many of you got stuff? You know, like, oh, you know, we, we gave away a washing machine and, you know, and somebody came and got it. But how many of you ever had something you just desperately wanted to go away, but it never went away because nobody wants it, because nobody values it just the same as you do? Because it's junk. That's why they have a scrapyard, a junkyard. But how many of you have ever given away something that was valuable? You know, I had a, I had a G-Shock watch when we were up there at Canada. And I told the kids, I said, hey, we're going to have a kickball tournament. Who can see kick it the furthest? And uh, I said, we're going to give you a prize. And then I realized, man, I should have went to Walmart before I made this promise. <laughs> and so I had my G-Shock watch, and I'm looking at, uh, it was Trey, right? Trey went, went, and I love Trey. He is, this kid has got just like opportunity that he don't even have a clue he's got in his life. But... I just walked up, and I said, hey, I told you I was going to give you a gift, and I took my watch off, and I handed it to him. Boy, he put that thing on. You know, he sucked it all the way down to the last little hole, and it's got about that much tail hanging off of it, but there's a compass on there. 
This is a Marine Scout sniper watch, buddy. I mean, so I, you know, but I just told him, I said, look, I said, this is a gift, you know, for you win. I said, but I want you to know that I'm giving this to you as a friend, and I want you to think about me every time you look at it, because I love you and I care for you, you know? And, and I imagine every time he looks at the time, he's thinking about me, you know, in Texas. You know, somebody in Texas, you know, loves me. And, and, you know, and this is the way we need to live. It's the way we need to be. If we want the blessing of God to come in the midst of us and, 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 and surround us, you know, we, we should come in here. Every time we leave that door, we should be a little different. Every time we come. If we're not, we're wasting our time. You know? And that, and, that, and that different is going to not come by us learning a new principle and putting it in our to-do book. It's going to come by simply being exposed to the presence of God. And, and while we're talking about worship for the last two months, we're just trying to see what does the Word say about how to encounter the presence of God. And he says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen? How many of you want life? How many of you need to get a life? Really? We, we need, you know, we, we need, God, God, God has more life than we can handle. God's got more life for us than we dang sure deserve. But he's got it. And his word tells us how to get it. And his word tells us how to, you know, remember this. God wants to bless you, but not at the expense of his relationship and not at the expense of our relationship. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. To prosper, to have a hope, to do good to you. But I'll see you in 70 years when you get your heart right. That's what he told them. How long are we going to wait before we allow God to breathe life into us? You know? How long are we going to be distracted? How long are we going to just, you know, be mad about something that really ain't worth being mad over? Or allow Satan to, to destroy us where we don't need to be destroyed? You hear what I'm saying? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. How many of you today hear what I'm saying and you're like, you know, I need, I need peace in my life. I need, I need to. I am not in the love context that I need to be in. Just lift your hands if you would agree with that. You know, several of you. And, you know, you can lift your heads. This is what I was thinking last night, that a lot of these things that, that I allow to get me in these situations, they're not going to change. They're not going cha to change. The troubles that, that stress us out and, and make us angry and the things that, that, that sometimes row our boats, they're not going to change. There's going to be evil people every day we wake up. There's going to be liars, people lying to you about something every day you wake up. There's going to be mountains all along the journey. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things. There's going to be delays. There's going to be all these things. So, so the answer isn't changing everything around us. The answer lies 
with changing what's in us. You know, the Bible says, confess our faults one to another that you may be healed. Man, I got, boy, I was mean to her yesterday, and I said, golly, I just, how do I start this? And she has no reason to listen to me. And so I just started just kind of trying to share what's going on, you know, and, and whatnot. And, you know, we just need to confess to people what's going on in our hearts. And, and who, who do you confess to if you have no friends, if you have no body, if you have no spiritual accountability? You're just alone. And one more catch-22 that Satan puts us in where we can't interact as a corporate body the way that we were designed to react. And so, first off, are we, are you, has God put on your heart today that you need to value fellowship? You know, we've been, we've been reading too many of these introvert posts on Facebook. It's funny. We're already so jacked up that we can't have friends outside of Facebook. And then all we do is, we, you know what I'm talking about? We read these introvert posts on Facebook all the time that only justify the reason why we don't hang around with people. Dude, that thing's like a bad disease. The, you know, the internet, the way we're letting it affect us. I'm not saying you should go burn your TV. Definitely not your Led Zeppelin CDs. Keep those. But that's a joke for those of you that have been around the church for a long time. Uh... So what I'm going to do personally is just uh, I'm just going to talk to Christy more about what well, you know. Just be open about stuff, you know, instead of just letting it build up and and as far as the church goes, we just man, we need to we need to hang out more. It's that simple, you know. You can't do it online. You can't. There's no way around it. And see, people have gotten to the point where if you, do, if you come together and there's not a Bible open to you know, there's a time for the Bible, but sometimes there's just a time to sit down and eat and talk, break bread with one another. People don't value just sitting down and talking. And there's a time where all you do is you come together and talk. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Let's laugh. Let's make some jokes. You know, make them funny as possible without offending Jesus. You know? I like people with a sense of humor. Because it could get awkward quick. Amen? But what's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart today? I, you know, whether you need to, to adjust the context of your life, begin to put some good content into that context, into your life. Maybe you need to value the fellowship when we get together. Uh, but maybe today you just need the Lord to minister to your soul. Maybe the, today you need the Lord to just, you know, Break free some junk in your life so that you can get a bearing of where you're at. Man, there is nothing worse than being in a jungle and have a bad compass because you're stuck. Sometimes it's good just to get a bearing of where you're at. Man, those GPSs are so nice. You can be terrible at land navigation. You pull out that GPS and says, you are here. You know what this is? <laughs> you are here. <laughs> I don't want to be there. That's where you're at. Well, let's go somewhere else today, all right? So just stand with me today. And you know, what, whatever the, the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart. You know, if, if you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that would make a big difference in your life. But I want to give you that opportunity. You know, if, you, if today you say, hey, I, I want to know what it's like to be a Christian so that I can have the Holy Spirit reside in my life and speak to me and give me direction. You know, uh, we're not going to have an altar call, but just... 
there, you know, on our comm card that they talk about in the moment, just check it on there. Yeah, you'd like to talk to me or William, and we'll get with you and give you that opportunity. But as we just worship for a short time, whatever the Holy Spirit's put on your heart, I think, man, I, man, dude, I, I put my own personal examples out there, and I've talked, you know, about several things. But, hey, I want you today to join with me in saying, hey, let's provide the context of love that God can bless, that God can anoint. And, and God, help me to commit to doing the, the content things that I need to do in my life, to praise you, to love one another, and to share uh, what you have given me. So y'all come today, whatever the Lord's put on your heart.